Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Welcome back to Wildcast Studios for another episode of the Wildcast Podcast, your unofficial voice for all things Moncton Wildcats. As always, I am your host, Adam, and I am joined again in another secret location. It's basically where in the world is Jeremy Boucher. Uh, I am joined by your favorite co-host, Mr. Jeremy Boucher. It's uh, it's getting colder, bud. How is it out there? Yeah, you know, it's uh, all built up in my igloo here. It's uh, <laughs> it's quite uh, quite warm inside my igloo. Yep. Uh, clearly, that's where I'm hiding this week so that uh, we can get this show, uh, you know, into the uh, people's ears. Uh, but yes, uh, quite cold. Uh, probably the coldest day we've had in, uh, well, probably since... March of, like that, yeah. uh, of last year, so uh, you know, it took a little bit of time to uh, get adjusted to it, but uh, you know, uh, it's just part of the part of the life and part of the job that we do sometimes. I see you had a pretty big birthday at the house. How much? Uh, how spoiled did that? Uh, did Avery get there? What is she now? Six. 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 Yeah. So we had uh, that was on the fourth. So. Uh, yeah, it was her birthday on the 4th, and then we had a party for her on the 6th, uh, and then it was Megan's birthday on the 7th, and then Iggy's birthday on the 8th. So I'm kind of the only one that doesn't have an Oct- uh, a November birthday in the household. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of uh, kind of. So lame. November's an expensive month for you, and then December's an expensive month for you. Yeah. What did you guys get, Avery? We got her a... Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> uh, what did we get her? I, I honestly, I, uh, oh, a karaoke machine, um, and a princess tent. So what's your go-to karaoke song then? Well, obviously it's gotta be like, you know, picture by Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. Okay. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, you know, an obvious one. That's, yeah, that's, that's one like of them, yeah. your, uh, uh, that's your <laughs> warm up, obvious yeah. duet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. karaoke song. But yeah, you know, the other night, uh, Megan was... Decided to turn it on and start rapping some Eminem, so that was uh, <laughs> quite uh, quite something that uh, didn't think she had the ability to do. But here yeah. we are. Yeah. So she's she's a rapper then, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up gangster. Straight up gangster. Ah. Well, that's. I can't wait to uh, get the circuit break over with, so I can come over and use the karaoke machine because I think that party in itself. I mean, for all those that went to Brent's uh, fundraiser a couple of years ago, heard you sing so. Get some mad pipes on. Yeah, you. exactly. Yeah. So that uh, I'm excited. When speaking of singing, you weren't wearing a mask, but uh, we can transition into mass singer group A semifinal was last week. Uh, they used the reveal button. Ken used it for uh, the pepper. Used it for Sarah Bareilles. I was on board. I thought he had. I, I thought he was going to figure it out. I was like, I think he actually might have this figured out. Mm-hmm. He was in fact wrong. Um, I was wrong. I said it was Kesha with the TikTok. Uh, she could sing. Yourself, you were correct from... I I think you stayed on that. I don't think you changed in week two. I've been on the Natasha Bedingfield yep. uh, train since the first time I heard her voice and the first clue set. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, uh, you did pick up on some, some British there. The British accent, the TikTok... Uh, it all uh, it all added up for me. So yep. I was I'll take the uh, golden ear on on <laughs> one that point one. for the golden ear. One out for the golden yeah. ear. Yes. Uh, the Joker was Johnny Rotten. You could have given me a hundred guesses. I never would have got. I that. I don't even know who that is from the Sex Pistols. Yeah, I, Sex Pistols. I've heard that band and it's, being pretty influential in the po- punk world. But remember, as this for is a, that, this is a PG show, so exactly. it's the intercourse. Uh, <laughs> 
intercourse guns. water guns. Oh, water guns. <laughs> yeah. The, the squirt, the inter, intercourse squirt guns. <laughs> Can you say squirt? Anyways, yeah. No, uh, so we've got the skunk, the bull. They're going to go to the final for group A against each other. Uh, I still think the skunk is Brandy and the bull is Tay Diggs. I don't, I think I'm wrong on the skunk. I think m- most people are thinking it's Faith Evans. I think it's Faith Evans. Uh, I've kind of said that, I think. And uh, so that is my guess, and I am sticking with it. And the bull? Are you sticking with uh, CM Punk? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I don't know who this is. I really don't know who this is. I still can't figure this out. Um, it's obviously a talented singer. Yep. Um, I just can't nail down the the voice, the clues, the genre of music they sing. It's a very, a very good, uh, very good singer. I, and this is leaving me, I, I'm dumbfounded. The clues are getting worse because it's really tough. Unless you get in the first couple episodes, they just sit there and they talk, um, and it's very difficult. So uh, that's uh, that's it for the the mass singer. We are recording right now, watching the game. And do you have an update there, sir? Yeah, so it's currently at one nothing for the uh, K Breton Eagles, uh, with about a minute left in the first period. Well, that's not fun. Uh, all right, don't forget as always, you can follow us on TikTok, Moncton Wildcast, Instagram Wildcast Podcast, on TikTok, and eventually we'll get back on the YouTube when the circuit breaker is over. Moving on to the quick question, uh, this came up uh, from listener Ken Shea. He asked if the team will be, you know, if you want to mess with chemistry, so. I'm not saying you should, but I'm going to bring this question up because it's an interesting one. They're 10 and 5. They're second in the division. They've got chemistry. It seems to be right. Is there a scenario now without Dawu and not being able to get that first rounder that this team uh, and Richie Tebow pulls a Halifax and just kind of sits at the deadline and doesn't really move a lot of pieces? Uh, I think it would be a mistake. Okay. Um, I think there's a couple. Uh, players on the roster that'll that'll draw some interest from uh, you know from some from from some teams. There, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be six uh, six teams that are buying this year. Um, so and you know we got two players that uh, you know should I wouldn't necessarily call them a hot commodity, but they'd be very good depth up acquisitions for for a contender uh, to the point where you know you can probably grab yourselves uh, three. You know, three additional draft picks, uh, and these picks would all be in the top, you know, top five rounds. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's if that's the case, you know, you give yourself another, uh, you know, you get yourself another second round pick. That'll give us three second round picks in in the draft uh, in June, and yeah, that's they got fourth, not bad. Three, yeah, four third, four third rounders, mm-hmm. and then two seconds. So I don't think there's four third rounders. Sorry, three third rounders. I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think there's a... I don't know if you're going to get a first no. out of this one, but you are going to get some second, thirds, fourth. Um, you know, I I don't think this is a team that's going to necessarily buy either if this stays where it's at. And I, don't, I do not mean specifically buy to quote-unquote make a run. I just mean I don't think Richie wants to put this team in a situation where you're basically buying a round or two. Like that's that no that's no. that stunts the development more than trying to move a couple depth assets. I don't think this team will stand pat. Um, I just wondered. It was brought up uh, in one of the comments after the the live there 
they they have the chemistry. They are playing really well, but I think I don't want to say it sets the the rebuild back, but it um, I think last year would have been a year to not move anything. It just it's an interesting concept because Richie he can basically put out what he wants and he can sit on his hands. He doesn't have to move if he doesn't want to. But I think it'd be a mistake not to do it because there are some depth acquisitions that you could make to make this team moving better moving forward. If any, I think what you really want to look at is you want trades for the future. Um, so, you know, maybe there's a player out there that, you know, he's just wants to change the scenery or he's a maritime kid that wants to play in Quebec that wants to, you know, be, be playing closer to home. Yeah. Uh, you know, anytime a player wants traded that, you know, <laughs> it kind of helps out with their value, right? You're not going to be paying as much. So it's, um, you know, I think there's, two players on this roster that uh, that'll sh- for surely get traded. Um, and if Richie makes any moves to bring in players, you know, you're, you're we've got some players waiting mm-hmm. uh, in the wings to, to get, uh, you know, you look at a player like Alex Mercier, but you know, he's been, he's been hurt a lot. So, yeah. you know, you, they might want to keep him in, in midget for the rest of the year. But, you know, if you go out and, you know, trade for a player, um, you're probably it's only probably only gonna be a depth acquisition. You're not gonna go make a splash unless, no. like I said, if it's someone that just wants to change the scenery, that uh, wants to play closer to home. So that's that's my outlook uh, on the trade period with probably a month left before it. Uh, my uh, preview of the trade period. There's yeah. obviously gonna be a lot more uh, talk about it. In but we're probably weeks, a month. Yeah. Uh, we're probably a month away. Yeah, December December nineteenth to. Yeah. Is when it gets kicked off. So yeah, I don't think this team sits pat. I think they're we're gonna have some moves, not as many as uh, years previous, but uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting discussion to 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 have to see because right now they are playing, um, they're playing as good as uh, a lot of any other team out there, and right now better than what we kind of thought they would. So let's uh, let's get to quickly some news around the queue. News and notes from around the queue. Well, Bathurst is staying in Bathurst, so that's good. The Titans are staying there for the foreseeable future. It looks like they have at least a one-year, uh, reached a deal, a one-year deal, um, trying to, I think they're working towards more. Obviously, that team and that city needed some good news for the past uh, two, three weeks here. Um, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if they're going to do anything with the rink. I don't think they're going to improve anything with the rink, but it's good to have stable, a stable ownership for that team moving forward. Cause you don't really want to see a team move. This is one of those teams that you just can't get rid of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a cat. It's got nine lives. Well, so the sort of the Bathurst Teton, like it's, yeah. um, you know, there's been, you figured after they won that Memorial cup, the next year would be, uh, you know, quite the hit financially, but they made it through. Yeah. And then the COVID shut down and, you know, weren't bringing any money. And then, you know, they're getting maybe like 900 to a thousand fans this season. That's not going to help, but, uh, yeah, they, they got a lot of help by the sounds of it from the city, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, but, you know, I think eventually we're not, uh, I would say probably in the next you know, what are we looking at? 2021, I would say by 2025, you know, if they're, they're probably going to be more rumors about them moving. And uh, I think if, um, you know, if a certain uh, capital city of New Brunswick happens to build a, uh, you know, nice uh, 
downtown rink slash event center at some point in the next uh, near future. We could see a, uh, you know, maybe a move to Fredericton or something. But, no, it's good to see Bathurst uh, sticking around. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, their fans are going to be happy with that because they do have a loyal fan base. If you mm-hmm. watch any of their fan of their, of their webcasts, uh, you know, the, clearly the uh, majority of the fans that you see on the webcast are older people mm-hmm. who've uh, been around for a while, but uh, you do see the odd uh, young, young fan too. So they've, um, eventually these, these older folk are going to move on and, uh, gonna have to get that younger generation back into the back into the ring so they're gonna have to do something to make that uh make that team and that building and that environment and that atmosphere more uh more attractive to uh to younger people and that's the it's it's really the the trick anywhere uh you know even in here in moncton a lot of the fan base is, a, is an older generation and it's trying to attract families and kids and make it accessible for everyone and, and you know Moncton's got a brand new rink. I don't think Bathurst is going to get to a brand new rink level, but they got to do something. And you know, winning cures all, and winning helps. So um, hopefully they can get that trend turned around. Uh, Zach Larue was suspended four games after high. According to the Q page, it was high sticking. I thought it was uh, a cross check either way. Uh, it's the the offense and the repeat offender, so he gets another four games. Just that's the part of the game. If there's anything that uh, you take away from his part of the game, that would be his his one takeaway that uh, I'm sure the Nashville Predators want to get out of his uh, system being a first round first round draft pick. You got to think, uh, but it's just a style of play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're if if it's that style of play, uh, if you're that kind of a player, you're you, there's going to be moments in in your career that you're gonna make mistakes and uh you know zach has obviously you know made a few uh but that's that's normal uh you know if he happens to uh you know crack the the team canada of the world juniors might want to tone it down a little bit because yep. uh you know of course if you're you can only take so many players to the world juniors and if you lose a player for the tournament you're you know not uh not looking good the no, rest you're not, of the way you don't so, got reinforcements coming it's that's it right so it's not like you can call up a player um, so you're you're going to want to you know watch yourself a little bit if you if he does get to that step. And the T- QMJHL team of the week: Tommy Cormier from Victoriaville, three games, two goals, six assists. Xavier Perron from Sherbrooke, three games, five goals, two assists. Elliot Denoyer, three games, three goals, five assists. Uh, Tyler Hines from Ramouski, two games played, two goals, two assists. Vincent Sevignier. Three games, two goals, six assists, and Francisco Lapena from Drummondville, one oh oh and one nine thirty one save percentage and a two point eight goals against average. Let's get into the rewind. Weekly rewind. A tale of two games. The Wildcats go three and zero at the Avenir Center in the Teddy Bear Toss games and the. After a dud of a return on Friday, they now have a record of 10-5-0-1 for 21 points, second in the Maritimes, fourth in the Eastern Conference, and sixth overall. Friday against Chikudami, uh, they faced them for the second time in a week. Both teams kind of knew what to expect, and this was an absolute dud. They came out flat for 55 minutes. Uh, they lost 6-4. If it's not for the last five minutes in that one, I'm not sure they beat Shawinigan on Sunday. Um, that was just, and you kind of, I warned against it. I said it, that would be a tougher one. And, and even with the week, the week in between, they just, 
they came out flat. They spotted Shakunami four goals, and uh, they did all they could to get back into it, but um, just not quite enough. But I think that third period in that last five minutes spurred them on to the uh, to the Sunday game against Shawinigan. Yeah, uh, pretty much. It's, uh, you know, if we want to bring it back to the, tell me something good. <laughs> uh, obviously, the last five minutes would be the, yeah, the, good, the, uh, good. the good part that, about that game. Uh, that was wild. That was a wild, uh, you know, last few minutes. And then, of course, the uh, empty netter that was kind of like the complete buzzkill, uh, you know. So it's unfortunate. They uh, you could feel it in the ring. People thought they were there. It was going to be that Cape Breton where they came all the way back yeah, in the third period. Yeah. You could people were on edge as they were getting as they were bringing the puck down, and even uh, I think they had two shots close, and then Chenard from the behind his own net, like, yeah, with an assist of the goalie. Yeah, so you, you know, it was uh, close. <laughs> yeah, and of course, I was. His, I think it was first. No, it wasn't his first game with. Uh, yeah, that would have been his first game with First Scrutamy. game with Scrutiny. Okay, I was thinking of another one. Um, yeah, a tough, uh, tough game. Uh, it just, you know, like you said, sixty-minute game, and they only showed up for five. It's tough to win those ones, and we've seen it happen where they actually do win those ones. But, <laughs> yeah. Or at least get a point. Um, this uh, this case, it was uh, just a little too too little too late, and you, you can't do much about it. Too, no. it's too bad because it was the the TSN game too, right? Yeah. And uh, you know you were you could watch it <laughs> anywhere anywhere in Canada, and they uh, basically uh, shit the bed. So uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah, and it you know four goals on I think it was seven shots for Philly on at one point, um, and I think. Maybe one of those was one that got past them with actual defensemen playing defense. Mm-hmm. A lot of three on twos, a lot of two on ones, um, three on ones. Like it just, it was just bad. They were they were chasing the puck all night, and uh, yeah, they paid for it. And then coming into the teddy bear toss game on Sunday, uh, they they got that victory two one. I I think other than I think the Charlottetown game in Charlottetown, this was one of their more complete games that they played uh, from start to finish. The keys were Xavier Bargo and keeping the number one power play off the ice. They took a few penalties, but they, they were able to kill them all off going 0 for 3. And, uh, you know, they kept Xavier Bargo and uh, Nadeau off the score sheet. Yep, they kept them off the score sheet. So, um, you know, they if they don't score those four goals or those three goals in five minutes against Shakutimi, I'm not sure they get this victory. Hmm. See, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can agree there. No. Um. It was, yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I can't. I can't. I can't go along with you there. I think no. it's. I. I just. Um. Obviously, it builds. It, it build up the momentum. Um. But they still had to. I guess. I don't know. It's hard. It's tough to say. But. Um, Well, no, I can't. I'm just I I can't I can't agree with you, but I'm also having a hard time kind explaining, of explaining it my way. <laughs> yeah, um, if they would have, you know, if they would have won that game, I would say, yeah, hundred percent. The moment they had the momentum going right. in against a against a, you know a, arguably a, a contender, yeah, a team that will be buying. Um, but you know, like it's that, that empty matter, that empty matter against Shakutami was just, you know, a, a buzzkill. So, mm-hmm. um, no, this was, a this is one of those, you had to reset your minds and, and come into a different, uh, 
come into a game, and that's what they did. Like it was one of their better efforts uh, that they've had all year. And um, I, I know I, saw, I said this to you after the game. Uh, I've said it probably about a thousand times in in a month, and it's <laughs> it, it just keep we it keeps coming back to it. But you know, this is a team shooting against a team that you know we shouldn't be beating. And we went out and got a got a win. So it's it's you're they're continuing to position themselves as a team that you know will surprise. And you know that's a win against that's a win against Schwinnigan. That's a win against uh, Saint John. That's a win against Charlottetown. Uh, so they're you know, they're making a case uh, to to surprise some teams. And I mean, second star Thomas Couture. I mean, it's. He's one of those guys where, you know, at this point, is 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 he the team MVP? Or damn close to it? Yeah, it's him or Kalmakov. Yeah, and it's even Kalmakov that came in what a month ago. Yep, he's and we'll hear all about him in a little bit. Yeah, and you know, Couture's been here since since day one. Yep. So, um, I mean, if you look at goals against and save percentage right now in the league, he's top five um, amongst all the goaltenders. So uh, that's. It was really a goaltender's duel because Lavalet is right there with him in terms yep. of save percentage and, and goals against. So I thought Lavalet looked really good. Yeah, like he's yeah. from, you know, having him in his rookie year. Uh, if you remember back, I said he was kind of a loud goaltender, always moving, always trying to over pursue. Um, and I, you know, he was clean, he was quiet in the crease. Um, I thought he played a really strong game for them. They've got, they've got two good goaltenders, but talk about. The two teams we played talk about two completely different situations. Mm-hmm. Shkudemi comes into New Brunswick, goes three and zero. Schwinnigan comes into New Brunswick and goes zero and three. Yeah, like, and now almost, is it should almost be the other way. Yeah, around. exactly. And now is behind Sherbrooke in that uh, in that tough Central Division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wild, uh, wild weekend. Um, but yeah, it's it's too bad they couldn't get at least a point in that Shkudemi game. Um, because that would have been, you know, three out of four would have been perfect. Yeah. But I mean, we'll take we'll take the two just because we beat a team that we, you know, shouldn't have shouldn't beat or or you know, shouldn't be able to compete with. If you want to put it that way. But right. they were also missing, you know, their best player. So <laughs> we took advantage of that. But we were also missing, you know, Barbara three, three of our best yeah, players. Yeah. You know, if it, I don't I don't even think we can include Dao as a as a player. You know, kind of uh, take credit for that assist. And this uh, is a you should have shot on that. <laughs> Uh, and uh, of course, a public service announcement to uh, to any player, especially next year in the Tabor Dolls. If I pick you, bring the energy, but don't get a ten minute misconduct. <laughs> 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 like I love the energy that Blagden brings, but as soon as he got the ten minute misconduct, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! <laughs> like it's at that point where I thought I was like, yep, OJ is gonna score because my guy just got the ten minute uh, ten minute misconduct. But um, what do you do about this team at home? Like it's just a you know you look at the the stats and they're on the road right now they're down one nothing after one period they're the best team on the road in the queue they're seven and two Charlottetown's seven and three Sherbrooke is six and two but at home it's three three zero and one like is it just a case of nerves at home or like and they've got they got one on the road one at home here when we get into it and kind of a measuring stick weekend as we move into to uh, next week's game but. Of the next two weeks, three of the next four at home against three teams uh, they probably shouldn't beat and one they shouldn't, Bay Como. They got Charlottetown, Bathurst, Quebec, and Bay Como. We'll get to Quebec and Bay Como next week, obviously. But this is a pretty big measuring stick in this 
in this Maritimes division. Uh, four points behind Charlottetown right now. Um, you know, three points up on Bathurst, and I talked about it on the post game on Sunday. We're ten to five. We look great at twenty one points, but we're three points up on fifth place Bathurst. So a couple L's. You know, we have a tough week here. All of a sudden, we're right back down to where everybody thinks we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and but luckily, we're on the road for two of those games. I just what what's the mix at home compared to on the road? Like, is it just they get away, they're able to bond, they're able to get on the bus, and just kind of the, the chemistry. You gotta think about it. Yeah, pretty much. You get away. I mean, they went. They go to Cape Breton. They, you know, they went there uh, Monday. Monday. Yeah. Yeah, Monday, and stayed overnight, and and so they, you know, don't have their bus legs. But judging by that first period, they had their <laughs> bus legs. Um, so I mean, it's got to be it, right? They get yeah. away. There's no distractions. Uh, you know, you can kind of re- relax and rewind and and do your own thing and. Um, but yeah, that home, that home thing has got to get uh, figured out because, uh, you know, <laughs> that's where you're supposed to win your, uh, win your games and yeah. have your best record. Cause you got your fans, your fans behind you and, yeah, but the schedule's out of whack, man. <laughs> like you got, uh, what, just 12, uh, between last, uh, the last Sunday's, the last Friday's game against, uh, Shikuri Me to this Friday's, this, is it this Friday against Bathurst? Yeah. You got what? One, two, three, four, five games in seven nights. Man, that's almost worse as the Edmonton Elks this week, eh? They played three times. Oh, really? They played, yeah, they, Edmonton Elks, they play like, they played Sunday, they played last night, and they play Friday night. So you have three games in like six days for a CFL team, but thanks. All co- on the road, I would guess, because of the uh, soccer, right? Probably. Thanks, yeah. COVID, for that, but... um, Yeah, that's that's a wild schedule. Five games in, in, seven, in seven days is... That is, um, yeah. And then they get two and a week off. Yeah. Right? So nah, that's wild. It's uh, the Abu Kuta hockey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, this is very much a... Are we back in the second period? Yeah, so we are. All right. Um, this is a measuring stick weekend for this team early on. Bathurst is, for lack of not good. They got Lapierre back, so there'll be a different team than what we saw... What three weeks ago? This is the lo- this is the last time we're going to see Bathurst before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I believe this is the this is the last time we're going to see Charlottetown again before the deadline. So you're going to want to at least try to pick up a point in at least two. Like you, these are the last times you're going to see these teams before they're they're different when they're expected to obliterate us. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. Uh, these are but uh, measuring stick games. Yeah, yeah. In the you, division, you could, you could put them at least. The, at least Charlottetown is. Yeah, you could right? put it. You could put it that way. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's going to be tough games. These are two really really good teams. Um, you know, like you said, Bathurst is going to have Lapierre. Uh, that's going to be a different looking team. Um, Charlottetown is, you know, Charlottetown. We know how they look. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you're you're probably going to be in tough a little bit here, um, which I think you know why this Cape Breton game is 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 pretty big. Uh, you know, where you can hopefully, hopefully get a win and, uh, and, and kind of build off that, uh, the rest of the week. Yeah. I'm just trying to get down to the power play stats that we have because I, the power play is getting better. We're now 13th at 18%. Um, what is Charlottetown? Charlottetown's at 28%. So again, as we get into these teams that we're not supposed to beat, um, staying out of the box is going to be key, uh, as we move into this week and then penalty kill. 74%. So 
thought maybe we scored. Get distracted by looking at your thing. Um, so, I mean, they're getting better at the penalty kill. I'm still tired of the drop back. It cost us a goal against Shakutami I on Friday. I, I can't. I, I've like if you're gonna do it at least one of the times, fake that you're gonna do it. Like pretend to turn around like you're gonna pass it and then move up. But it's it's funny the the Sunday game. One of the gentlemen uh, that was sitting beside us, he he made a, a an astute uh, assumption or not assumption, an astute whatever it's called. He noticed something. They kept trying to go on the left side of the ice. Every time they came up the wall out of the zone, they tried to enter on the left side. So the, the penalty box side in the Avenir Center, mm-hmm. every single time. They never went to the right side. They always come to the left side. I don't know if that was by design. I don't know if that's, you know, the way it works, get it, rim it around. But it just seems like they're becoming, if they don't win the faceoff, they're still struggling to get anything going on the power play. I never, I've never, I've never noticed that. They score again? No. Oh. No. Okay. Um, I've never noticed that. Um. It's, it's. I'm trying to think. I mean, it's. I've seen the play. I've seen the draw pass happen millions of times. Mm-hmm. If you if you watch hockey, it it almost seems like it's. It's always going off the left side. Yeah. And teams are starting to figure out how to play against. Now we have it, kids taking move. their shirts off in oh, Sydney. Oh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, fandom. Uh, yeah. All right. Well. Nice parenting. <laughs> All right, now we've got a, a time for a special guest joining us on the phone to tee up one of Jeremy's favorite tournaments. Uh, he is the voice of the Moncton Flyers. You also will recognize his voice every time you listen to the show every week. It is uh, Mike Sanderson. Mike, how are you? I'm doing very well, you guys. How are you doing? Oh, we're all right. Yeah, living the dream. <laughs> lovely, a- lovely cold that we're experiencing here. And uh, yeah, it's tis the season. It is the season. I'm feeling a little bit of joy. I'm sitting right beside a, a blinking lights Christmas tree right here that's just basking nice glow in this room. So I'm feeling very festive right now. Oh, Christmas tree already up, eh? It wasn't my call. All right. No, yeah, my call is uh, December 1st. Mine was up on friggin' November the 5th. <laughs> <laughs> Not my call. Hash- <laughs> All right. So I guess I'm the, uh, the no, one you, holding you, out. You, you pick your hills, and that one's just not worth it. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess first question, uh, Moncton, 14-1, and one, um, you know, playing pretty well so far in the league. I guess what's the, the mood of the team going into this tournament, which they are defending champs? Yeah, for sure. You know, you look at uh, the way the Flyers have put their team together, and again, they're another juggernaut this season. Certainly, you said 14-1. and one. I mean, that definitely describes the team they have. I think that uh, if you talk to a man in terms of, the way they play in the dressing room, you talk to the coaching staff, I think the last two or three weeks, uh, the Flyers haven't necessarily played up to um, their uh, potential necessarily. I think that, you know, they've had some games where, you know, they've come in and expected to win a little bit more than you'd like to see. But at the same time, you know, I mean, this is a team that scored 85 goals up to this point. This is a team that's outscoring teams nearly at a pace of four to one. So, you know, this is a very strong team, a very deep team, definitely the deepest uh, team among all the six in the uh, New Brunswick PEI Major U18 Hockey League. So, you know, the Flyers are poised to go for a run. And, uh, you know, the Monktonians, their tournament, there's always a certain amount of pride in there, especially if you can get the W and get the win on home ice. So you've clearly watched this team more than I have. I mean, uh, God, God bless your voice, Mike. I love I love hearing it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I don't watch the games live. You know, I've tuned in a couple times on the you know, post game on, on Facebook, but, uh, obviously we've got a player that, uh, we keep an eye on, uh, especially here, uh, Preston Lonsbury. Um, 
I guess <laughs> just talk about his season because if if you just look at stats wise, it's pretty outrageous. But uh, anything has really caught your eye in terms of what uh, what Wildcats fans can expect to see from him uh, in the years to come. Certainly, you've almost got to strain your neck with how high you got to look up at Preston Lounsbury. Yes, tied for first in scoring in the uh, the whole league, and he's tied with a teammate, Philip Collette. Now, it's worth noting that Collette and Luke Patterson, who's in third with 23 points, uh, typically play together, and Lounsbury typically centers his own line, which uh, also makes it very interesting in terms of the Flyers. They really are the only team in the league that can boast, you know, two very potent top lines, really, you know, two first lines. When you look at Patterson with Collette, and then you look at Lounsbury, who usually plays with Noah Matulu and then also uh, Zach Wheeler uh, on the other side. And one thing that Lounsbury does really really well is he's very aggressive he's very strong on the forecheck and uh, you know he's able to create and he's able to work a lot on his ability to create plays and that's not just being a playmaker but that's also being a finisher too he's obviously you know at this level you're learning quite a bit in terms of positioning you're learning quite a bit of play away from the puck but you know Lounsbury is doing a really good job of taking uh, what he's learned from those first two games that he played for the Wildcats in his Q career and he's you know brought it to the Flyers there's a certain swagger in his game that he plays with um, that's uh, very important and really runs through the whole lineup him and Luke Patterson both are probably the two most Q ready players in this lineup and uh, they play on different lines so for the Flyers it, you know it's for the other teams it's really pick your poison which line you're going to defend because the other one's going to roast and you know you look at the way Preston Lounsbury plays the game and he's had great chemistry in particular with Noah Matulu uh, who's been able to find him uh, in open ice more often than not and that's why Lounsbury has 14 goals on the season so you know, 14 goals in 14 games is nothing to shake a stick at. I don't know necessarily if that means Lounsbury translates to a goal scorer at the next level, uh, but uh, definitely a player who can, you know, play all around your lineup because he plays with that energy. He plays with good pace. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty, and he chips in and puts the puck in the net every once in a while, too. We're here with the voice of the Monk Flyers, Mike Sanderson. Uh, they get started on Thursday. They got Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, is this a tournament where it's. I'm just looking for a Samuel LeBlanc's tournament. He's the no, the go-to guy. I know they got Xavier Farah, who's played five games, but, I mean, LeBlanc's got three shutouts, a .87 goals against average. Like, the puck isn't getting by him. Um, is this a, is this his is it his net, or do they kind of go back and forth and, and alternate games? So far, it's been a really consistent rotation. Typically, uh, LeBlanc will get the first game of the weekend. Farrell will get the second game of the weekend. That's kind of the way they've done it all season long. Uh, and and it's fair to both goaltenders. Both of them are among the best uh, in the league. So, you know, obviously, Sam LeBlanc has the numbers that sparkle. And, uh, you know, he's got sterling goals against average and save percentage yeah. uh, coming into it. Of course, I mean, anytime you got a goals against average under one, you know, that's pretty spectacular numbers. But, you know, Xavier Farah is good in his own right as well. And his goal against average isn't too shabby at 2-3-3 either so you know these are two very good goaltenders I would put them both amongst the best in the league and you know uh, both goaltenders have been drafted in the Maritime Hockey League so you know both goaltenders have had eyes uh, from um, you know scouts up in higher levels so you know uh, lots of people really love what both of these goaltenders bring to the table I think it would not be surprising if Sam LeBlanc got the first start, say the Thursday, Farah gets the Friday, and then uh, do they go back to LeBlanc the Saturday or do they go to Farah on Saturday? I'm not sure, but I think you'll definitely see both goaltenders get at least a game uh, in this tournament. So pretty safe to say uh, in terms of you know this league, because of course we've got the two island teams, uh, Charlottetown and Kingston, but um, this league is obviously Monk and, and St. John. Uh, I, I don't see a situation where, you know, unless there's a massive survive uh, surprise that uh, another team's, uh, you know, going to 
come out, show up in the finals. But you look at St. John, and I mean they've got they've got their fair share of of, of Q uh, Q draw uh, draft picks as well. Um, who's stood out for you on, on the vetoes uh, so far? And uh, I know they've got uh, I think it's uh, the Bellamy Bellamy and uh, that's and Noah Ryan. No, Noah Ryan's with the Titan, right? I I think, I think so. so. My bad. That's you know this is amateur hour here tonight, Mike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, just just your uh, just your look at St. John so far this year, and do you see a situation where it's any other team other than Moncton and St. John coming out, uh, you know, in the finals? I honestly, I really don't. It depends on what the Charlottetown Knights will be able to do. But you know, you look at this this league and this, you know, the 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 setup of these six teams. It really is two or even three tiers. You know, I think that the Fredericton Caps have had a little bit of a disappointing season thus far at three nine and two. Um, but uh, you know, you look at how the Charlottetown Knights have been able to come up at nine and five. I think those two are kind of in a middle tier. You know, the Caps kind of straddling that second and third tier. You got the Northern Moose in the Wild underneath that. Uh, but you know, the Flyers and the Vitos really are the top host of the league and the vetoes had quite a long streak and the flyers had a long streak as well. They're on a second long streak of another seven game win, you know, at this point. So it, it, it's really tough to see another team jump in and upset, you know, those two teams, I think obviously, you know, what, uh, what you'd like to see is those two juggernauts meet in the final once again. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, again, it's tough to see another team come out there. Uh, one thing I really like about the vetoes is that they've got strong players. They've got a really good top four on D. You talked about Evan Bellamy. Uh, Nolan Ryan has played 17 games for the St. John vetoes. So Nolan you would be Ryan. correct in that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he has, he has perfect attendance for the St. John <laughs> vetoes. Uh, and, uh, otherwise you talk, uh, Noah Befeket, who's been very solid and Owen. And Arnold, who's the tallest player in the league, I believe it's 6'4", 6'5", uh, joining in on that group as well, has got the really long reach Chara style too. So, you know, there's lots to like about the Vito's defense. Their goaltending is very solid. Both goaltenders they trust uh, in uh, Drake Patterson and Alex Myatt. Myatt's been the better of the two thus far, but Myatt's also the veteran. You know, Patterson has a lot of potential. And up front, 15 goals from Matt McRae, and you definitely can't complain about that. Getting that solid play from the veteran, you need your veterans to play well in this league, and Matt McRae's been doing great. Uh, you look at uh, former Q player Zach Alshorn's younger brother, Ben, who's there, and obviously we've mentioned Bellamy on the back end, who's got 11 points. Uh, you know, the offense is kicking through, and depth-wise, up front, they don't necessarily match what Moncton can put together, uh, but they're probably the second-best team in terms of depth up front. Uh, so, uh, you know, they could surprise and they've got the goaltending that could come in and steal a game or two, too. So, uh, you know, St. John, there's uh, there's lots to like there as well. With this Flyers team, and it's uh, it's always an interesting dynamic with the, this tournament and then the ice jam in uh, in Nova Scotia, is their season considered a success if they if they don't win this but they win their league or like how does that work with this with this group like is this a completely separate identity you know, they focus on this tournament and then when, once this thing is over you know it's time for the regular season or, or you know you know what i mean I think for the Flyers, the biggest thing about this tournament is that it's a big litmus test for what's available outside of the league. And, you know, you look in terms of the the, uh, the talent quality that's available there, the Flyers, I think, you know, it's safe to say the cream of the crop of the league. So, you know, they're playing a couple of teams from outside now uh, in this three game set. So they'll be able to get a measure, you know, what you know, the teams are like uh, outside of the New Brunswick PEI circuit, you know, be able to look and maybe they're not necessarily playing these teams, but you look at, you know, teams from Nova Scotia and what they bring 
bring to the table. There's a few teams from Quebec and Ontario as well who, you know, are bringing some quality outfits here. So, you know, for the Flyers, they can really measure up and see how they compare against teams outside. Um, you know, I think obviously the goal for the Flyers this year is to win the league for sure. Uh, winning the Monctonian, I think, is icing, but I think there's a lot more to take just from measuring the competition. Obviously, you'd like to win, and I think the Flyers expect to win. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a lot more to be said about measuring the competition that's out there and going as far as you can. And for the Flyers every year, the goal is to win and then go as far as you can. And, you know, for the Flyers, they've been won several championships in a row this in this league. So, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it's, at this point, some of the players coming in almost expect it's their birthright to win the league at this point. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that it, the goal is always to go as far as you can. And for the Flyers this year, that's no exception. Yeah, I've always said, uh, you know, John DeCourcy is one of the best, the best coaches not in the queue. Uh, so it's, and the Flyers are just, they're always one of the top teams in the league, no matter how young they are. Um, but one player I do want to bring up is um, Zach Wheeler. I know you mentioned him earlier. This is a 14-year-old playing, you know, obviously got exceptional status. I think he's the first 14-year-old to play for the Flyers since uh, Patrice Cormier. That might want to be a fact check. Uh, uh, but that's, I mean. Well, this that, is a guy that'll fact check. I mean, if that, that if that just tells you, um, you know, how good this kid is, I mean, he's obviously got a very exciting future. Uh, and he has, obviously, in my opinion, hasn't looked out of place. Uh, do you, how do you feel about uh, about that? Am I uh, am I correct to say that? No, you nailed it. And if that's true about the Patrice Cormier fact, I'm adding that into my broadcast next game. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, you, it, might wanna, you might want to fact check it, but I'm pretty sure he is the first... 14 year old to play for the Flyers since Patrice Cormier. Like as a regular. I will, I will make sure to mention, as noted from notorious fact checker <laughs> Jeremy Boucher. <laughs> that should fill a whole stoppage in place. So yeah. I'll be able to get a good room in there. You'll have room to breathe with your name there and everything. And that'll uh, that'll be good. That'll be good. You'll get some notoriety. Uh, talking about Zach Wheeler, the first thing that strikes you is the fact that this kid is tall. Yes. You know, this is a mm-hmm. tall 14 year old kid. And, uh, you know, even being that age, you know, he doesn't look at a place size wise with these players too, you know, which uh, does strike you, but you're right is, you know, his draft year is not this year. It's next year, jump into the queue. And, you know, that's something that's uh, it surprises you when you watch him play because he is taking a regular shift on the top two lines. We mentioned he's playing with Lowsbury and Matulu his two most common line mates. And, you know, he's got 14 points in 15 games. And, uh, you know, when you jump to this U18 level from U15, that's an extra year of players, You know, we talk about the jump to the queue being huge at five year age gap, you know, jumping up and adding that extra year to the top end of this league. While it's not the best players necessarily at the 17 year old age, it's still, you know, players who are much more physically developed players that are much bigger uh, at that 17 year old age rather than coming in at 14. But Zach Wheeler, again, we set his size, you know, he plays with some size. He's not necessarily the physical player at 6'2 you would expect at that height but I think that's going to come once he you know thickens out a little bit and I think he can add a little bit to uh, his game that way but you can't deny the offensive talent it's absolutely there and like you said he hasn't looked out of place he's playing with good players but he looks like he belongs there you know you you see lines and you see players sometimes where that third guy in the line, you know, he's kind of, you know, cashing the paycheck, you know, with his friend's name signed on the bottom. Uh, that's not true with Zach Wheeler. He's absolutely applying uh, his trade with the best of them and he's hanging right in there. Zach Wheeler actually played Timbits hockey with my nephews. So I've been watching mm. him since he was like five years old. <laughs> Always, <laughs> even at that young age, like skating circles around around these kids. So yeah, that oh, doesn't, yes. doesn't surprise me oh, that, yes. he's, that he's at this level. 
And that's, and that's one of the coolest things too, Jeremy, you know that when you see the kids at five, six, seven, you watch them grow up from that age. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's awesome to see that. Yeah. We're old. Yeah. <laughs> like I literally, I was, I guess it I was feels... thinking about that today. I was thinking about that today. I was sitting at work and I looked up something real quick and Yevgeny Malkin's 35 years old and Ovechkin's yeah. 35 years old. And yeah. I was looking at that and go, wow. Like we, like yeah. once you get to, when you remember guys being drafted yeah. or remember guys being drafted in junior and then they're coming out, Dion Phaneuf retired today. I thought you know, he retired like four uh, years to, ago. To date this podcast to a particular yeah. day, it is it is Tuesday, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, to, to put that on there, Thanks but Dion Phaneuf retired away, Tuesday, and that's uh, you know that's a that's a big deal. You know, we remember when he came in, and he's not that he's not that old a player either. So no, I actually uh, you didn't quite date this podcast because we talked about watching the game live while we're doing this, but also I a, <laughs> a I thought Dion retired like three four years ago, and I also it's crazy. Yeah, you remember the you know the double Dion and. You know, when I, I moved here and uh, I think my second year and kids were getting drafted from the, they were the O fours and that was when yep. my daughter was born. And I'm like, yep, I'm, that's, I'm now old because you know, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it creeps up on there. Um, you know, before we let you get out of here, I mean, you used to be the killer voice of the Wildcats with Marty Kingston. You saw some memory, memorable games and, you know, obviously you lived here most of your, all your life. You've seen some memorable games, just, you know, 25th season for the Wildcats, just, Give us some, I guess, maybe highlights, some lowlights, uh, just, you know, your memories of this uh, team that's been in this city for 25 years. Sure. Let's uh, put me on the spot on a very loaded <laughs> question. Um, you know, when you talk about, and we just talked about, you know, being aged and uh, and feeling really old, the yeah. fact that Steve Bernie is back with the organization is uh, crazy with me. I think that's a great hire. I think having someone, you know, with extensive NHL knowledge and extensive NHL uh, growth and, and someone who's, you know, rode once he got to the NHL, turned really bumpy and has a lot of experience and, you know, in a lot of different roles, I think is really going to help these, uh, these kids on the team now, um, you know, moving from that, I think, you know, just going to the Coliseum. I mean, you know, I was going to the Coliseum from the time I was six or seven watching this team. I remember the first year, you know, I remember the first year of the Wildcats. I didn't get to the Alpines, but, you know, the first year of the Wildcats seeing, you know, like JSO Ban play for, the two months he was here seeing, uh, you know, um, other players, Sebastian Roger playing here and being the first big scorer the Wildcats really had, you know, unfortunately his pro career didn't really go anywhere, but you know, it's just big scores, big names. I remember, you know, JR announcing Sebastian Roger and really rolling the R's and thinking, wow, that's really cool. Like that's, <laughs> it's, it's more than just a hockey game. It's an experience, you know, and, you know, having not been old enough to see the Moncton Hawks or to, uh, you know, again, missing the year of the Alpines, you know, to really emphasize the show and the entertainment factor of what the team was and really kind of, building the market from that point. And then the first big team in 2000, you know, remembering that, that, uh, that year and those years in Real Paymon making all the trades and having, you know, Simon Lajeunesse really come in after being a backup for most of his career, coming in and shutting the door and playing pretty well, taking on uh, a juggernaut Ramuski team that ended up winning the Memorial cup. Uh, before that, I mean, JF Donfus obviously was one of the first big stars that the Wildcats had prior to that. And then uh, from 2000, then the build up into the 2004 year, we talked about Steve Bernier. You talk about Corey Crawford, uh, Nathan Saunders on that team. A lot of really good players uh, coming through on those teams and then kind of peeling off the 06 year. And, uh, you know, remembering probably my favorite Wildcat ever, Martins Carson, who ended up winning the playoff MVP that year. And uh, just how deep that Memorial Cup team was and the energy in the city and feeling, you know, Ted Nolan coming, 
Ted Nolan's coming here. You know, just the, the feeling that, you know, these NHL guys are coming here and, you know, it, it really sunk in the, the size of the market and the importance of the team when, you know, when Ted Nolan came here to coach in 2006 and, you know, really, you know, it's kind of like, wow, you know, the national media knows us. They know who we are. We know what they know, what this team is. They know where Moncton is on a map and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, that was huge. And the Memorial cup year, it was the year I had season tickets and went to the Memorial cup, went to every game of the, of the tournament and the heartbreak at the end. But, you know, what a tournament, what a team, what a city. I mean, everybody was feeling very high for the Wildcats and then into the next big team, the 2010 team that ended up, you know, kind of salvaging a little bit at the second half of the season, making some trades. I thought the 09 year, they were probably hotter than they were in 2010 by the Christmas training period. But, you know, then making a bunch of trades with Danny Flynn at the helm and picking up Kelsey Tessie and Gabriel Bork and Nicolas Deschamps and, uh, you know, players in the mid-season part of 2010 and then losing Deschamps in the playoffs and going to the Memorial Cup and, you know, obviously 0-3 and bottoming out, but still winning the league against St. John and, really capitalizing what that rivalry means in New Brunswick between Moncton and St. John, two teams that don't often, you know, peak at the same time. So we don't really get the benefit of seeing two teams, you know, that close in proximity to the Wildcats and getting that action of that rivalry, uh, you know, but getting to see it for the first time in 2010. And, you know, then, you know, we move forward again, we get Yashkin, we get Barbashev, we get Garland, we get those years in 2015, 2016. And, you know, then you move forward to the peak year a couple of years ago that unfortunately was cut short. And, you know, there's been lots of great teams and lots of great memories uh, for the Wildcats running through in particular, my own broadcasting career. I mean, I remember the 2015 and 2016 years for sure. I remember the 2017 year for different reasons, but uh, you know, definitely, you know, loved being on the microphone as much as I could. And obviously being with, you know, someone, you know, who I look up to as a mentor and as a, uh, you know, as a friend in Marty Kingston, having lots of fun for the times that we did when we were on the broadcast together. And, you know, that's, that's probably my biggest memories. I don't know necessarily if a game or a particular, you know, stretch of the season or anything stands out. It was just the joy of being able to do it uh, as much as we did and being able to put on a show every night and, you know, in front of a team that was putting on a show every night. So, you know, there's always lots to remember and I don't think I could pick just one thing. That was a wonderful trip down memory lane yeah. for anyone that was uh, listening, especially for myself. My, uh, I tell you all this all the time, man. Your knowledge, the same with Jeremy. You guys knowledge that you just pick things up from '02 and '07, and you know, it just it, it amazes me. But when you've been in the city, it's uh, it's pretty easy to do. Um, you know, you said just before we got on here, you got the week off. You're not calling games for the Flyers at the Monctonian. Uh, so where can people listen to your soothing sounds when they uh, when they want to catch a Flyers game? <laughs> uh well uh the games that i've called so far for the flyers are all up on facebook so just check their facebook page uh it is uh, i believe moncton rally motors nissan flyers on facebook is where you can get all of those um the next game for me will be at the end of the month i believe because i think they're on the road for a little bit let me just load this up and pretend i had it up here <laughs> uh let's see moncton rally motors nissan flyers their next game is the 27th that i'll be calling uh st john vitos will be in town that'll be a good one that's a saturday night too Ooh, yeah all right, man. We uh, we appreciate you taking the time and uh, enjoy the tournament if you get there, and we'll probably see you there. Always a pleasure. Glad to uh, glad to be back on here. It's been way too long, and uh, you know you guys know my number, so exactly we have it now. So, all right, man. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Always good to catch up with Mike. Uh, you know, like I said, you get to hear him week after week. That soulful sound here. You get to hear him on the bend, but dude's hockey knowledge is on point. 
Yeah, he's one of the best. Uh, if he's, you know, he likes uh, likes to talk hockey, knows yep. his stuff, and uh, like you said, has a great uh, great voice, and that's why he does the play by play. Because uh, you know, if it wasn't for if he wasn't doing it, you know, we'd probably be the ones getting that uh, getting <laughs> that gig. You know, it's uh, yeah. You know, well, well, welcome back to Moncton Flyers <laughs> Hockey. It's Jeremy and Adam <laughs> on Facebook. Hi to the parents. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, at some point we'd just be like the defenseman to the left winger. And boom goes the dynamite. dynamite. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to everyone's favorite uh, part of the show. Eric Murray Realtor, buy a house from him. Stick tap of the week. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, like we just talked to Mike, uh, pretty big weekend uh, in Moncton uh, this uh, um, you know this weekend, <laughs> obviously fortieth yeah. um, annual Monctonian. Um, you know we're we're going into this going into this weekend with. Uh, the Flyers as the uh, reigning champs in the U18 division. We got the Moncton Hawks, who are the reigning champs in the uh, is it U U15. Is that what Bantam is these days? Uh, U16. Anyway, U15. I think it's U15. U15. Yeah. yeah. So um, look, I couldn't tell you much about the Bantam division, um, but uh, you know, to, if you really want to feel old, uh, a couple former Wildcats have sons playing for the Dieppe Flyers. Um, you know, Don, Benjamin Donfus, I think his name is, is Jean-Francois Donfus's son. And Alex Vigneault uh, has a son, Malik, playing for the Flyers. Malik had a towering five feet and 85 pounds. <laughs> um, so just one of the points. But this is an incredible tournament. Uh, I'm super excited to have it back. Um, 40th annual. Um, I'm very much looking forward to this. Uh, you know, the Ice Jam is the Ice Jam, but the Monctonian's Monctonian. It's, uh, you can't, you can't beat it. You're going to have scouts from all the Q teams there. You're going to have scouts from probably some prep teams, uh, NCAA maybe. So, um, it's, it's a great, a great, great tournament. Always look forward to it. Um, and of course, you know, if you go to the games, make sure you bring your proof of vaccination in your mask because that it will be mandatory. But, um, I can't wait to watch some of this hockey this weekend, uh, you know what? I know the Wildcats play Friday night, but uh, you know I might I might focus somewhere else just to uh, fair. just to prepare myself because I know our uh, our draft conversations are going to be uh, well. <laughs> you'll probably want a Monctonian review next week, <laughs> and I'll, I'll have to be prepared for it. Yeah, so, exactly. We might get um, into that. I'll uh, yeah, but I'm so happy this is back. Uh, I couldn't be uh, if there was ever a, a time to say you know things are starting to feel normal. Yeah. Well, the fact that the Monctonian's back is is a surefire point to that. So there we go. Uh, Monctonian, check it out this weekend. Uh, I think they will be streamed on the uh, uh, on their website. There's going to be there's going to be a Cameron Rink A, Cameron Rink B, C, D, uh, and if there's any other games played around. So um, check it out. Uh, tons of players that'll be coming up through this tournament that'll be uh, in in the queue next year. So good to get yourself familiar with uh, some of these names. It's funny, the, the few things I remember in season one was you guys being uh, prepping me for the Timbits weekend Yes. at the Wildcats and the Monctonian tournament, how excited you were that first year that we did mm-hmm. the show. And, you know, I, li- living in Calgary, we had the uh, Max, yeah. Max Midget tournament, yeah. and which is now probably the Max U18 tournament. But, um, yeah, it's 30 bucks for an adult pass, 18 bucks for a student pass, $12 for an adult day pass. We've got some Wildcats prospects that are going to be there. It's basically the cheapest way you're going to see future Q 
um, CHL stars uh, playing in this tournament. We'll come back with uh, some of the names that'll be at this tournament. The Stick Tap of the Week, sponsored by Eric Murray Real Estate with the Remax Avante team. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the greater Moncton or surrounding area, make sure to check him out on social media or give him a call at 506-863-8802. Yeah, so we've got some Wildcat prospects. Uh, Preston Lonsbury, obviously, Mike talked about him leading the team. Uh, Kiefer Thompson for the Charlottetown Knights. Ben Mercer, maybe. I mean, he was on that toward pace and... You've heard, or he's injured? Or? No, uh, McPhee. Uh, McPhee, McPhee uh, has been out for, he was out for, I think, a month and came back for a couple of games and haven't seen him in the lineup uh, for the for last weekend, so I'm assuming he's out hurt again, so hopefully he's ready to go for uh, for this weekend. And uh, Luke McPhee plays for Cole Harbor, Ben Mercer for the Steel Subaru, or Subaru Steel, uh, Cooper Fleming, Halifax Max, Manic Saracen, James Richards, uh, Ross A. Netherwood and Ryan Hackett from the Northern Moose. So a chance to see future Wildcat uh, players at this tournament. So get out, support it. That brings us to the Rosemary Lynn the Massage Wildcast Wildcat of the Week. She's back for another season, and they're having a very special discount right now, 15% off for all healthcare workers and first responders. If you are a healthcare worker or first responder, you deserve a massage after going through what we've gone through on. Uh, RosemaryLynnMassage.BusinessSite. Download the coupon until January 1st, 2022. And if you want to book a, a massage, just give her a call, 506-830-1224, or answer our trivia questions that we've had these past couple weeks and will continue to have. Um, this is a player that, uh, well, he's got points in almost two games with, since joining the Wildcats. Uh, he's on an eight-game point streak right now, five goals, eight assists. He had three points in this past weekend, including the game winner in the teddy bear toss against Schwinnigan. Your Wildcast Wildcat of the week is number nine, Brooklyn Kalmakoff. So now we get to the contest giveaway. We had 14 people enter the contest, which was to give away, uh, which was to give us the two Teddy Bear Toss goal scores. Uh, it was Mika Sear in 2018. It was Elliot Denoye in 2019. So we have that 60-minute massage giveaway. I've got the wheel of uh, the wheel spin. So we're gonna spin the wheel and see what we get here. <laughs> Goes to Ryan Dupuy. Uh, you've won the 60-minute massage uh, with Rosemary Lynn, so congratulations on that. I will, uh, I'll have that, so you'll be able to get that massage before you head to, head to Alberta, there, bud. Uh, again, we want to thank Mike Sanderson for joining us to talk Monctonian. Uh, that kicks off tomorrow at the Propane Plex, which again, cheapest way you're going to see uh... Propane. <laughs> <laughs> Propane Plex. <laughs> forgot about that, didn't you? I did forget about that. <laughs> Uh, cheapest way you're going to see Q stars in action and the uh, Moncton Flyers kick off their Monctonian tomorrow night at 7 p.m. against the Greater Kingston Junior Gales. So that's it for us. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast. <laughs>